Bye. The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. The Heather McCoy Show. Welcome to The Heather McCoy Show. In our middle segment today, we'll be talking with Huffington Post writer Lila Shapiro, who will be talking about her recent article for the struggle of LGBT equality in Alabama. Then rounding out the hour, we'll have Robert Larson join us from the other side of Cleveland National Forest. But first, we'll start off with a regular contributor, the blogger behind fieldofschemes.com, Neil DeMoss. Welcome to the show, Neil. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so we'll start off with the Raiders again. A Spurs shareholder is quoted in the San Antonio Express saying that the Spurs, quote, harbor concerns about it, its long-term financial health should it be forced to compete with another major league franchise for sponsorship, suite sales, and ticket sales. Uh, San Antonio is a small market, but wasn't the Alamo Dome built in the early 90s with the uh, premise of attracting an NFL team? So it's changed. Yeah, I mean, it's not that small a market. I mean, it's only got one major pro sports franchise. So you'd think, you know, given uh, other cities, I don't know, Milwaukee, you know, um, or um, Indianapolis or any of those, there's lots of cities that have, that have multiple teams and, uh, and uh, uh, are, you know, are, are, can, can coexist. So I, I'm not really sure that this was coming from you know the heart of oh my goodness we've looked we would love to have an NFL team but we've looked at the financials and we're desperately concerned you know my assumption is it's more you know oh you want to come play ball in our town huh well you know we're gonna we're gonna have to you know you're gonna have to make it worth our while um, and uh, you know it was it was a minority shareholder who uh, who said this. Um, we don't know if he speaks for the Spurs. We don't know if maybe he does speak for the Spurs, but you know they kind of had him announce it because it keeps it uh, off the off the uh, you know keeps keeps the main people out of the out of the sights of uh, oh my goodness you know the Spurs are are trying to throw a wrench in in uh, San Antonio getting an NFL team. Um, so yeah, I think I think everything here is leverage. You know anything that anybody has, you, says in the paper about the Raiders <laughs> to San Antonio is something that's said with an eye towards here's what we want to get in the paper. Um, I don't particularly believe that the Spurs are going to stand in the way of the Raiders, although they might, again, say, oh, we want to be cutting on the deal. Um, I don't particularly think that the Raiders are going to move to San Antonio, but, you know, it sure does help their cause to say that they're going to. Um, And, you know, I mean, as I said before, with the NFL, it's the one league where you have to take move threats a little bit seriously because teams really can go play anywhere. And the Alamo Dome does exist, although, uh, you know, it's getting a little bit old by now by, uh, by NFL standards, which means it's, you know, they've taken the shrink wrap off. Um, <laughs> so, I, I, I'm, I, you know, I almost didn't post something today about, the, about this guy from the Spurs saying, uh, saying uh, that, uh, you know, the, the Spurs might be opposed to the Raiders going there just because it felt like such a blatant, you know, PR move. Um, but I figure people are going to be paying attention to it, so I, I just needed to say, okay, blatant PR move, you know, let's keep an eye on it and move on. Yeah, what do you think about uh, former Spurs and Minnesota Vikings owner Red McCombs and his little piece that basically rich person talks, it ends up in the paper? 
Yeah, I mean, he was like, oh, man, I was in at the meeting, and they totally want to move to San Antonio. And, you know, they didn't ask me, but I would totally buy part of the team if that would help anything. Uh, again, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> he, he, he doesn't own the Vikings anymore, and he um, clearly, you know, who wouldn't want to own part of an NFL team, um, you know, in your hometown um, and if all else fails, you know, it gets him in the paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he sounds important, you know. I, I talked to Mark Davis. He told me. Yeah. He's my friend. <laughs> He's my friend. Uh, the Buffalo Bills and Milwaukee Bucks seem to be kind of operating on the same pay- playbook as of late. Uh, we would like to say, but only if you build us a new stadium with public money. Uh, but if not, we'll take the team elsewhere. The implied threat for the Bills means a possible move to Toronto. And with the Bucks, the other city that they'll use for leverage is still kind of unclear. Uh, the minority owner of the Bucks is talking about throwing more private money at the project due to the indifference in Milwaukee. I wish more governments would take this route, um, especially someone named uh, Governor Cuomo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Governor Cuomo, every time. He, well, he, to be fair... Whenever Governor Cuomo in New York gets criticized for, um, for um, you know, being too eager to put public money into a bill, new bill stadium, he starts backing away and saying, well, no, of course I'd rather do it with private money. To also be fair, every time Governor Cuomo gets criticized for not being eager enough to build a bill's new stadium, he starts coming out and saying, oh, well, of course I'm willing to build a new stadium if that's necessary with public money. Um, you know, he's trying to have it always at once. Um, you know, uh, I would hope that in both cases, um, especially the Bucks case, again, because the Bills, it's not like they have an easy option to move to, but the Bills could legitimately move other places. Um, the Bucks, again, Milwaukee's a smallish market, but it's not like there's some place that they can immediately jump to. And I would hope that local officials there would say, okay, you want a $500 million arena, You've got $200 million. Hmm. <laughs> what possibly could you do to expedite this? Yeah. Um, and it seems like there's a little bit of wiggle room now and a little bit of negotiating, and they're talking about, oh, well, maybe we'll throw in some naming rights money in addition to that, um, which is better than them not throwing in naming rights money in addition to that. But, again, you know, it's, it's the problem of, of moving the goalposts. You know, the, it's not, the discussion never starts out with, oh, you want public money, why should we give it to you, and what's the least we can get away with giving you, you know, because, because that's, uh, there really isn't any overriding public purpose in this. Instead, it's, oh, there's a gap. Can we fill it? And if we can't fill it, can we ask the private partners to, uh, to put in a little bit more? Um, and again, in any other negotiation, that's not how the real world works, but for some reason in sports stadiums, uh, that's considered business as usual. Yeah. One of the groups looking to buy the bills is headed by uh, Bon Jovi, of all people. I reread his move quote a couple times to Toronto. Has any city collectively just gotten tired of reading the veiled threats in the newspaper and trying to parse them and just, like, told team owners, just go away? Or, <laughs> I mean... Um, wait, has any city said, just said, said just go away because... Uh, they just got tired of reading... Don't, don't the- well, I mean, uh, I think probably the closest is the mayor of Atlanta um, saying, I mean, it wasn't just a threat, right? It was, it was them, the Braves announcing that they were going to go to the suburbs. And the mayor of Atlanta saying, well, we're not, you know, too rich for our blood, we're not going to bid on that. Um, they want to go, go, see you later. Um, 
but you know, there's 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 no real upside to saying that, <laughs> other than I guess that you don't have to deal with the with the with the battle, you know, continually. Um, I mean, I think that there's plenty of, uh, of instances where cities could do really well by doing that, especially if it's a matter of two localities really close to each other. Yeah. Um, like St. Petersburg, for example. I mean, St. Petersburg has the Rays in a situation where they've got this lease, um, where they really have them locked in. But, man, if they could get the Rays to buy out their lease, win-win, right? Because you... Um, Suddenly, it would have all this money. Um, you would have the site of the Tropicana Dome to uh, do other development with if you wanted to. And people could still go to the games just by going driving across the bridge to the other side of the bay. So it, you know, potentially would be a, a major plus to have you know, the, the town next door um, be the ones on the hook for the stadium costs. Um, that's not quite the case with Buffalo and Toronto. But, um, you know, it's, again, it's, it's one of these situations where I wish that the, wish that the local officials would, uh, would uh, uh, at least think about, okay, what are we willing to, to spend? You know, think more like a poker player. You know, what yeah, am I definitely. willing to lose on this? Um, but unfortunately, they're not. And, of course, the governor is unfortunately um, looking to throw good money after bad. Um, but... Uh, the governor may have other problems before this comes up, so given yeah. the fact that he interfered with his own ethics commission. I, I was way too small to pay attention to when it was happening, but I would have to look back at microfilm from when the L.A. Rams, two years prior to them moving to St. Louis, I think pretty much as you know, folks in Orange County just said, screw you, goodbye, at this point. Um, I'm trying to remember if there was any... I, th- I don't think there was interest in, like, building them a new stadium or anything. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, 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 was, I was not way too little to follow up, but I don't remember it specifically. I guess, I guess there are instances where, you know, you sort of shrug your shoulders and say, oh, well, what are, you gonna, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, again, it's possible that... Uh, I mean, you know, it might make sense for Buffalo, you know, or, or for, certainly for New York State. I mean, if you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars... Buffalo could probably afford something really nice that's not a football team. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that it might need a little bit more. Um, but again, that doesn't seem to be the way the conversation usually starts out. Yeah, in reading the story about the Cobb County commissioners getting free Atlanta Braves swag after they approved the new stadium, you also point out what teams can offer to get the vote to go their way includes selfies with famous people, and you clicked over to a hyperlink of what David Beckham did in Miami. It right. seems like there's a new trend in sports that investments groups are headed by famous people that are kind of like the figurehead, Bon Jovi, Magic Johnson with the Dodgers, mm-hmm. uh, who in actuality they own very little of the team percentage-wise. Is this now part of the bargaining chip as, oh, a famous person owns your team? Well, this goes back to um, the Texas Rangers in the 1990s when they brought in a man you may have heard of named George W. Bush to yeah. own a small percentage of their team. Um, I think he put up like 1% or 2% of the money, but they gave him 10% of the franchise and made him the you know, uh, uh, managing partner, specifically because they thought that he was somebody who could, uh, who could get a, uh, a stadium deal passed. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. I thought it was just political aspirations. No, no, no. They were like, oh, you know, this guy can. This guy has has high profile, and he can, you know, he can help the team. Oh, um, wow. Help the help the franchise, you know, get what it wants, and you know, it's, so it's it's nothing new, um, you know. And I think to put that together with the fact that 
you know, more famous people now, you know, just the, there are more rich entertainers and sports figures at the level that they can afford to, uh, to buy or buy into franchises. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the, there are more opportunities to take advantage of that. But again, you know, I mean, even if they're not part of the ownership group, um, you know, there's a long, long history of, uh, you know, teams marching players or former players into the Capitol and having them testify to say, uh, to say that, uh, you know, oh, you know, we totally need this. I remember, uh, Reggie Jackson showed up when the Yankees were looking for a new stadium. They like, brought Reggie Jackson in. Reggie Jackson had really had anything to do with the Yankees in 20 years, right? But <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, let's, you know, he's, got, he's like a you know, consultant to the team or something. Let's bring him out. The city council members will just go gaga over him. Um, you know, it's, I, I, think, I think it's a time-honored tradition. Yeah, I love the fact that, going back to the Atlanta Braves specifically, I love the fact that uh, Commissioner Bob Ock gave everything away but his personalized jersey because he doesn't want the perception that he's giving gifts. That's just really yeah, brilliant. that's not a gift. That's like a, a personal token of affection or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the, the, the knots that people can twist themselves into. You know, I mean, we see this every time that there's a new stadium and the city council as part of the deal gets like a luxury suite which happens all the time um, and they're like no 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 it's not really a benefit for us it's so that we can you know entertain clients there and have important meetings and it, you know this is why we have ethics laws and gift laws is because if you don't have them Politicians will make all kinds of excuses for why it's okay to uh, to accept gifts, and you know, and I understand it too. You know, I mean, it's it's tempting to uh, to uh, you know, if somebody offers you a tchotchke, especially if it's if it's you know a, a sports team or something like that, um, it's really tempting to you know say, oh, cool, a souvenir pen. Um, nobody will care about that. Um, and but it, you know it it does matter. It matters for politicians. It matters for journalists. Yeah. Um, speaking of not tying people in the knots, just to say, oh, what they get themselves into. Will the New York Times ever make a declarative statement, even when the evidence uh, clearly points to that statement, if it upsets powerful people? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I this this thing. <laughs> I got I got some some flack from a couple of readers saying like oh man you know don't pick on them everybody does uh, does these uh, you know questions in headlines um, but like you know this was I'm trying to remember that was that was uh, Super Bowl was that it uh, which one which was I'm trying to remember what the what the uh, oh what the was the Olympics uh, the Olympics right, for themselves. Yeah. sorry right um, and. <sighs> The, you know, the, the only problem I have with it, I mean, you know, again, it's, it's sort of a time-honored tradition that if you're, if you're a newspaper and you are afraid of saying something um, outright because you're afraid that people will accuse you of taking sides, then you put the headline in a question, right? <laughs> so if you're writing an article about, um, uh, you know, climate change and you're afraid that the you know, people who think that climate change doesn't exist because they haven't noticed the world. Um, if you're afraid they're going to get mad at you, then instead of saying, you know, scientists show that we are all going to die, you write the headline, new scientific report, are we all going to die? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, 
And, you know, on some level I understand that, but the problem with that <laughs> is the declarative statements, the first, the first version was, is way more powerful. And writing an article that says, you know, Olympics yet again shown to be massive money losers is way more powerful than a headline that says, does hosting the Olympics actually pay off? Because then you're raising the possibility, oh, well, you know, people still disagree. And I, I feel like it's a cop-out for, for news outlets to say, well, people disagree on this, so therefore we're going to, uh, we're going to uh, you know, not take sides. We'll just present the evidence and not take sides. Sometimes it's okay to take sides if the evidence actually shows something, you know? And the fact that there are a few people who disagree, um, who may be powerful, it does not make them any more right, any more than, you know, uh, the fact that there were powerful people who thought that slavery was really cool in 1860. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, you know, it all stuff reminds me of a, of a great column. Thirty years ago, now that uh, Alex Coburn wrote about the uh, the what's now the PBS NewsHour, right? It was McNeil Lehrer report then. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, presenting how they would cover all these things in history, and you know, one was the cannibalism question: Should one man eat another? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's still going on. It's still going on. Uh, Neil DeMoss, he runs fieldofschemes.com. That's also still going on. And uh, we'll talk to you in two weeks. You have next week off uh, due to a vacation. Well-deserved. And we'll talk to you Thanks. in two weeks. You See you in two weeks. Okay. This, of course, is the Heather McCoy Show. And before we go to our next guest, uh, we're going to play a little bit of a tribute to Robin Williams. <laughs> 